You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Union 0430. We've got a light crew here tonight, but it's going to be a fun time. And it's going to be, you know what? Some of you are probably going to get your friggin' panties in a bunch because you're going to not agree with some of the shit that we say tonight. But that's all right, as long as you're not douchebags about it and you don't call us out too, too much. Um, it'll be a good show. So, Dave, um, you guys know Dave got injured. So he was at the hospital uh, at his doctor's appointment today. So he's still recovering from that. Phil's working. Mark just moved. Uh, Ryan's got some stuff on the go with some family things. So we've got, you know, third week in a row now for Bobby Hayes from Ducklander Calls coming. And I promise tonight I'm going to get Bobby to to try and sell some of Ducklander Calls instead of just sitting back there and, and not really promoting his own brand. And we got Micah Collins coming to us all the way from the great state of Kansas, just down the road from Bobby, who owns can't big Kansas whitetails, right? Yep, big Kansas whitetails. Yeah, big Kansas whitetails, which chill out, relax. We're going to talk about ducks. We're not talking about deer, but he also guides for waterfowl. So that's why we got him on tonight. And it's going to be good because before we were chatting, we were talking about, or before we hit record, I should say, we started throwing out some topics and stuff. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be polarizing everybody. So uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, Bobby, thanks again, buddy. You're, you're knocking this out of your, out of the park. You're getting us some fabulous guests and, and hanging out with us third week in a row. I love it. No problem. I know. know Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about as much as I get. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. He's a networking machine. He is a networking machine, but he's so like, I'm like, thanks, Bobby. You know, thanks for all of this. I'll shoot him a message after this tonight. And I'll be like, man, thanks so much for this. I really appreciate it. Anytime. One word answers. That's about it. That's all you're going to get from them. So I don't, uh, I, don't do, I don't do compliments very well. <laughs> well, uh, you should. So Bobby, thanks again, buddy, for bringing Mike on. Micah, this is awesome, buddy. Uh, I can't wait to pick your brain on this because uh, like we were talking before the show, we haven't had a lot of guides or outfitting service uh, services on the show. And the ones that we had, we have had has been uh, Canadian guys with the exception of, of uh, our good friend, Jeff Coates over in Maryland, but what you're putting together, we haven't really had on the show. So it's going to be really cool to pick your brain and talk to you about this. So um, welcome to the union 0430. And I, I hope we live up to whatever expectations Bobby lied to you about, about us. I'm hoping. Well, so I think uh, I think this will go good with with the teaching aspect on stuff I do because I think I think outfitters and guides are important uh, very much. Especially if you're trying to hunt something that you don't have in your area or that is an equipment heavy situation. Yeah. Uh, so I think it'd be a good thing if just people know more about what to expect, what you're supposed to do at them. Uh, it'd be good for just general conversation about waterfowl and you know what else um and that's all true what you said about the good things about 
uh, an outfit or in a guide. But sometimes it's nice to just sit back and let somebody else do all the goddamn work for you too. Do you know what I mean? Especially like, yeah, big time. So Micah, buddy, welcome to the show. Um, That was actually the very first question I wanted to ask, ask you was what is the species? What's the most abundant species that you're, that you're targeting in, in Kansas? And, And I can't believe I've never, ever asked Bobby this question. So. Yeah. So it really depends on the time of the year, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're early season, you know, it's going to be mostly brown ducks, you know, that's just early. But, like, what you are know, you, what are you calling brown ducks? I'm calling them like gadwalls. Okay. And, you know, you're going to get some teal and stuff like that, you know? Okay. Like, um, for me, you know, my waterfowl season really doesn't start till after deer season. Right. You know, the second week of December, you know, there's a lot of guys out there like Bobby that's hitting it in November, mm-hmm. you know, but my ideal is time is second week of December third week of December, peak migration, Mm -hmm. a lot of big ducks, you know, mallards, you know, you're going to get some pentails. There you uh, go. You know, a lot of Canada geese, um, you know, some lessers, specks, you know, those are the kind of the the main species of birds that we're chasing around here, around our lodge. Okay. Um, So, but. And Bobby, like we've had you on in the past and that's when you, when you talk about, cause you throw out this term all the time, small geese and big geese. Right. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about lessers and Canada's right. So, so Micah's lot. Yeah. So Micah's lodge is probably 15 minutes from my shop. Okay. So he's in more big goose country. Okay. You just go a little further West. Then you start to get little geese. If you go a little further West turns into all little geese. But just where I'm at, we have about, I'd say it's pretty getting pretty close to 50-50 on little geese and big geese. Okay. I don't know, Micah, do you think you guys are 30-70 now? I'd say that, you know, the the little geese, you know, as lessers, or some people call them cacklers, you know, they're all, they're they're moving east, you know. They they were further, their migration is moving more east. You know, I'm seeing more of them every year, so. Yeah, we're starting to see some. So uh, we're starting to see crane pushing in to our side, and like, okay. so if if you think up, like I'm I'm directly above upstate New York, right? Like it it's it's a stone's throw away. I'm de- all I had to do is just cross the St. Lawrence Seaway, and I'm in I'm in New York, right? So you think about that crane is that uh, Sandhill crane has now made it this far east, and mm. and our snow geese. Our, every year it's a bigger bigger number that's coming this way right so so there is you know we're, we're seeing a, a a difference in in the birds i still haven't i still have not got a a sprig yet i've never ever shot i've never seen a sprig i've shot i've shot bull um pintails but never late in the season when the sprig is out right they must be gone they oh, must yeah. be gone by december 10th and on you uh i would think even earlier than that buddy like like so like like micah's saying when he's saying um he gets into them around december like that middle like that is prime for us like that that is prime duck hunting season for us our only problem is that um we're starting to freeze up at that time so they may just fly or f f we get an early frost, like we may just miss the my the migration may just pass right over us. So I don't I don't have any scientific 
evidence on this, but this, this is, should be good. This is what I see. So we will get our first push of mallards usually right around Thanksgiving. Okay. We'll get some, but that's when our brown ducks will start to turn green. So the limits will start to go from brown and some green to slowly to all green, right? Okay. And from, so basically for Thanksgiving in the month of December, a lot of the flocks of greenheads will be fairly mixed with hens. Okay. But then we'll get a hard freeze where you can walk on the water for a day or two, usually around New Year's. It'll be zero. Like okay. every year around New Year's is zero, right? Okay. So then it gets icy and then you get a little thaw. And then our January ducks are usually bachelor flocks. Oh, really? So it's, yeah, like you, you do like, yeah, like you don't have to try to shoot green heads. You're unlucky to shoot a hen out of them. Right. Oh. Okay. So I assume that is the young duck of the year that yeah. doesn't have a mate and didn't know where it's going and they hang back. But that's also when we get those like big bull sprigs. Okay. They're in those groups of, of male mallards. I, so I'm, I assume those are year twos that, that aren't, that aren't well versed in mating yet. And the ones that are know what they're doing. So they pair bond and, and migrate sooner. Okay. I was going, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you said that because I was really going to ask you, well, why is it, why is it going to be bachelors? And, and I really didn't even think about the fact that they just haven't paired up yet. Yeah. I just don't think they know enough yet. But like I said, yeah. I don't have any scientists, but oh yeah. Like when we're shooting those little rivers or creeks or, or dry feeds, like nobody's trying to shoot drakes. It's just, you don't have to worry about it. Really? Yeah. It's just a lot of green heads. Micah, what are you seeing like when you get clients coming in? And I I, I do want to get into the lodge experience and everything with you, but like do you get do you get people calling you up and say, listen, I, I'm looking to shoot Canada's or I'm shooting looking to shoot pennies? Like are are people calling you up and saying, Listen, this is what I'm targeting. Can you can you get me on these birds? Yes, they're they're uh they ask that. They ask, hey, in your area, your flight path, you know, what is you know, what is the main species, you know, mm -hmm. I tell them, you know, but if they're looking for, you know, certain ducks that I don't have or, certain, you know, birds, I yeah. tell them, Hey, you need to go call this guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to target, you know, ducks and geese. And that's, that's what we do. You know, it's mostly mallards and, you know, maybe some pintails and gadwall and, and then, you know, your big geese yeah. is, a, is our big thing, you know? So, um, so how big is your operation? Like how many, how many people can you accommodate on a day? So right now we're doing 10 hunters a day, you know, wow. we split up in two groups, groups of five, unless the group does not want to be split. Yeah. So we're doing about 10, 10 a day and we're doing, um, you know, in a three day package. So wow. they, they get five hunts out of the whole thing with all meals and lodging. So yeah. So talk us, so, so talk us through, because I know when me and you and Bobby talked, a couple of days ago and you're you're describing the bed and the food i'm like yeah now we're talking like this is you know you're sleeping on a good bed you're eating good food like talk us through uh, the the lodge experience coming out with you guys yeah yeah so our lodge is is a uh, top scale you know i mean it's it's unbelievable you know i mean you're not you're not paying for um just the hunt and you're not coming back and eating, you know, a bologna sandwich or some slop or some soup, you know, you're, you know, our, our fees are a little bit more, but this is what you're getting. You're getting the full on 
lodge and you know all the banter the laughter the big fireplace the outdoor entertainment system and it's just um it's a great time and a, and a great place to bring your friends family and work colleagues you know a great place to network you know so i i do a lot of things with corporate groups yeah and guys love to have steak you know they want steak they want they want to be pampered you yeah know, so as much as we're out there, you know, having a great hunting experience, we're also coming back and we're going to have a great time at the lodge. You know, it's. Well, that's a big thing. Like you just said, you, you cater to this corporate, like a, a team building event. Yeah. Like if, if you're a corporate and you want to bring in your, you know, let's say your top, your top executives, like what yeah. better way to have a team building event where you put everybody out, do some hunt, come back eat good, have a few drinks, be warm, comfortable bed. I don't know, buddy, you got me sold. I, I can promise you that. So, so last year when I was at the lodge, I was down there with uh, some riders. Micah was hosting Tetra and some of the riders. A couple mm -hmm. of, a guy from Outdoor Life and Ron Spomer. And so anyway, they had an absolute pile of food. They've got a giant island. There's burnt ends, there's steak. What was on that thing? There was a pile of <laughs> My, yeah, and, and it's not like cheap. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's like expensive meat, right? There was cookies, sandwiches, like it was buffet. No, no one, no one was going to bed hungry. Oh God, no. I no. ate probably four pounds of burnt ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean there are them good ones that have the fat in the middle of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, pork, pork belly burnt ends. That's yeah, they're amazing. So anyway, after everybody left, I asked Mike, I was like, hey, did you just have something special out for these riders? He's like, no, this is all the guys this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Every night. Every night. Yeah. You know, my, my wife, she does all that. In really? She, oh, man. Knocks oh. it out of the park every time. You Sounds know? like it. You so, Mike, oh, sorry. Go for it, buddy. Nah, I was just saying, when, when, we, when we're out in the field sometimes, you know, you got a guy down the ways he's like man so what's abby making back in the lodge we, <laughs> Dude, we had lunch yeah yeah, yeah. And when the and when the rain is like when the, that sideways rain is coming in at you like oh, yeah. that's the only thing that's keeping you going man is knowing that you got that hot meal coming for you when you get oh, back yeah. did oh, we yeah. have shrimp that night there was something Dude, i don't know it was steak and something and a big baked potato with all the stuff but yeah it was it's a ridiculous amount of food yeah. Micah, yeah. I was going to ask you, like, for me, and this, this is just my mentality when it comes to this stuff. So if I'm going to, um, like, I've, I've hunted, I've hunted a long time. I've done it on my own a bunch of times. Like, that's all I ever do is on my own. I hardly ever go with a guide. But when I do go with a guide, do you find it that fellas don't really care and I don't want I don't want to use that as though they just they're throwing their money away. But the side the lodge life is what sells them. Like you can uh, get put on birds. Like birds are birds. If you if you're in the flight path and if you can hide, you can put people on birds. Yeah. But that the lodge activities, the the good meals, hot shower, comfy bed. Um, you know, the laughs and all that stuff. Do you find that people are appreciating that stuff more than being put on a pile of birds? Because I know for me now, 
going back to the lodge and sitting back and having a glass of whiskey after having a steak, that to me is that's that's yeah. the cream of the crop right there. hundred percent. I, yeah. I see a lot of guys that are wanting the lodge experience. Yeah. And and you know, we're out there, we're grinding, we're doing our thing, you know, it's hunting at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. But we're 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 putting guys on birds, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, I mean, we're making some piles. Yeah. But the these guys, they love it. They love yeah. the whole lodge experience. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's it, like you said, it's everything from the beds all the way up to plenty of room in the lodge for people to spread out. Yeah. You know, they can go over to the the couch in the game room and be able to talk to their family without hearing all the banter in the living room. Right. Or all the banter out by the fireplace. There's there's just plenty of room for people to to do do what they need to do. You know. Okay. Say say you and Bobby were down there and wanted to have a one on one conversation, and everybody's watching the football game. You know, you guys can go off to the side and have a conversation and and do what you need to do. See, man, you're just selling it even more. I gotta get down there. I don't know how in the hell I'm ever going to be able to get down there, but it's like it's it. I got just as much chances of getting to Kansas to hunt as I do getting Bobby up to Ontario to hunt. Just just getting a truck and point it south. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. I know, buddy. I know, and and I appreciate. Paint gas gets cheaper the further south. Oh, it def it definitely gets cheaper the further south I go. Uh, That that's for sure. Um. But no, that, like that's, and I don't want to take away from the fact that what I said just then that the fellas don't care about the birds. Listen, of course they want to shoot birds. They want to see the piles and they want to be able to take meat back home. But th- what I'm getting at is that that's not the most important thing to them anymore, especially if you're with a bunch of your buddies and, and you're, you're there, like, I don't know, man. Back no. at the lodge, that's when the stories come, right? That's when your buddy who missed the shot at 10 yards that was should have been lights out to finish the limit for the day. And, and he totally whiffed on it. Like that's, that's when the fun stuff comes out. Right. Yeah. It's where all the memories are made. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're making memories out in the field, but I mean, there's a lot more memories made at the lodge. Yeah. How many, big time. How many square foot is the lodge, Mike? Oh, it's, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a big one. It's a big, big lodge. I mean, there's probably, yeah, I'd say, 4,500 square feet. Okay, yeah. I was going to guess five. Yeah, about around 5,000 square feet, you know. Yeah. Whoa. That was a big one. That's yeah. a big lot. Uh, Micah, how old? Like, and this is something. So um, so this will go on YouTube, and then it also goes down for just a podcast, so people won't be able to see. So for people that are just listening on the podcast and not actually seeing, when you see Micah, Micah is not a grizzled old um outfitter like this is a good looking young man and so you're putting out like and and it is it's something to be to to be talked about because it's impressive that at a young age you're able to put together a a lodge experience like this uh a hunt and it's not just waterfowl right like you're across the spectrum deer turkey waterfowl the, the whole gamut right so how old are you and how long have you been doing it so I've been doing it from, I'm, well, first off, I'm old, I'm 28, you know, Jesus. don't look 28, I'm only 28. And then there's, uh, you know, I've been doing this since 2016 is when I started Big Kansas Whitetails. So, we, we, you know, we've been at it and I've been hunting for, uh, for quite right. a while, right. you know, and, um, you know, it's just, it's my passion. It's the guide's passions. 
you know, my wife's passion too. She loves to, she loves to host, right. You know, she loves to see people enjoy their time, you know, and everybody that comes through our lodge, it's our, our outfit. It's, they become family, you know, they're, you know, our best friends. We talk all the time, you know, we're that's you know, awesome. All, always hey, in touch. Hey, Bobby, I think you need to organize some sort of retreat at big Kansas Whitetails. Send send me an invite. Yeah. (laughs) No, but that's awesome. Like 28 years old. So 2016. So that's what, six years ago. So 22 years old to start a, to start an outfitting business. Like that, that is a, a pretty big risk. Uh, and and something to jump into at at such a young age, right? So to be able to make it work, it, it says a lot about you. It says your work ethic is is second to none, obviously, because um, anybody that's been around this game at all knows how hard it's got to be. Especially so, this is something that I want to get into because part of the the show. Uh, one of the goals that Dave and I have with the show is that we try to educate people as much as we can. And and we say it, um, we don't do it on our elevator pitch when we're talking to other businesses, but we, we tell it to other people. We're like, listen, we're trying to teach people to not be douchebags to other people out in the hunting world. Right. And so difficult customers, difficult people that, that you meet day to day, and that's just out to make life miserable for you because God knows we're living in a society where there's a ton of people that that's like that now. Um, but with regards to, and I think Bobby, you sort of alluded to it before we hit record, like, what is it? Like, what, what do you want to tell potential clients, what they could, what they should expect from, from a guide? So that they don't walk away, you know, all grumpy pants and and saying, well, this was the worst guiding experience I've ever had. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say that, you know, the the experience from a guide, you know, guide standpoint. So I, I'm the, the outfitter, you know, mm-hmm. I'm out there doing it with the guides. I'm out there scouting. I'm out there hunting with them, doing what I need to do. But I'm also taking care of landowners. But the the guides, they are doing, I would say just as much work, if even more than what I'm doing, you know, because mm-hmm. they are, they are, they're out there hunting, setting up, you know, helping clean birds or taking care of the clients. But, you know, like you said, you're always going to get a, a difficult group or difficult mm-hmm. group, but that's part of doing business. At yeah. anything. You know, you're always going to have, have, uh, I guess, uh, what would you say? Like inner, people that are just out, out yeah. to eat, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You just have to overcome it, be the bigger person, you know, turn the, turn the cheek and see how you can change that. You know, how can you make it better for them? How can mm-hmm. you, you know, because this is a service, you know, but that's what we're doing. We're providing a service. Right. So we got to do whatever we can to make this the best experience for you. Yeah, So I, I get it. So Go for you, it. you have guys down for three days, they're not going to get a burner every day. That's unrealistic. No, so like what, right. what should a guy expect other like, than your, other than your best effort? Yeah. Yeah. A guy should expect, you know, one to two burners, you know, out of the whole trip. I mean, mm-hmm. 
or, or you know, and when I say burners, I mean burners. You know, we're we're building a big pile. You know, okay. and then there's, there's the the groups where we've done burners every day. You know, and that's our goal is to yeah. make sure everybody's put on birds. You know, we did really good last year to where we were, you know, constantly clients were shooting guns every day. You know, yeah, we were shooting, you know, maybe 20 one day. And then, you know, the next day we were shooting 60, you know, it, it, it just varies, you know, but at least we're not, they're not going three days of not firing a single shot. Right. You know, we're, we're doing what we can and, you know, we're putting in the work and our ethic, you know, it's just, yeah. That's, that's the thing for me, like, and I've got limited experience with, with outfitters and guides, but to me, I always looked at it. Are they putting the work in? And, and that's like, if the birds don't show up, the bird, like you can't yeah, control right. the birds, but if the work, if, if the, if the, the effort is put in to find the birds and, and they can call and they know how to set up a spread and, and they can hide. Okay. And the birds don't show up. Well, then the birds just didn't show up. But it's not on the outfit or the guide's fault that, you know, they was, haven't been able to figure out how to control the birds yet. Yeah, I mean, there was days last year I can I can remember where I mean we've had some warm weather and mm -hmm. the birds went to go feed. You know, we're we're hunting fields if it's you know or ponds, lakes, water, you know, whatever we're hunting. But I've had it where before birds were sitting on like let's say a refuge. Mm -hmm. you know or what i would call like a rock quarry that we use as a refuge and they're coming off there we're going to go you know find out where they're feeding mm -hmm. where they're showing up five or ten minutes after shooting light you know just late flight mm -hmm. you know there's nothing we can do about it that's right you know, that's that's all in with what's going on with the birds and what's what the weather is yeah so there's those stall out days where the birds don't need to feed because it's it's warm out yeah so, you know and, and in those cases I feel um, that I need to, you know, help the, the, the customers or the clients and I say, Hey man, you know, I have an opening. Can you, can you be back here the first weekend of February? Right. Let's do this. You know, I, I want you, want you to get your money's worth. Right. You know, yeah. We're getting the lodge, lodge experience and everything, but Hey, the hunting experience was really tough. I, I have this weekend open or I have these two days. That's I know awesome. you got to commute back down here. But hey, let's 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 get back out here and give this another try. That's know? awesome. So I mean, we're we're out there just to you know have fun and you know build relationships and take care of our customers. So. Absolutely. So my so so let's say so I don't know what your turnaround is. It is it Monday Monday to Wednesday a reset day and then go Thursday Friday Saturday is like how do you normally run it? Yeah, that's usually how how it works. You know. Okay. It, you know, there's certain groups that will ask for, you know, a couple extra days for travel. So, okay. you know, you do a three-day hunt and they're saying, hey, can we get, you know, can we arrive at noon and, you know, have an extra night and, you know, an extra day for checking out? Okay. And we accommodate that as well, but it kind of messes up our schedule. Right. A little bit. But then, so we'll, we'll take maybe a day or two off to get us back in schedule. Which okay. Is a good break, you know, yeah, for, yeah, for well, of course. And it's also a good break for our birds, too. You know, I mean, you know, when you're doing one day or two day turnarounds, I mean, you're still, you know, giving those birds a little bit of a break and kind yeah. of figure out what fields they're going to go into now or what water they're using. It, it just, it, it, uh, it makes our success a little bit better. So, 
yeah, like you're trying to, I guess you're trying to manage the population as best you can so that, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I, I totally do. Bobby, did you have something? Nope, keep talking. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought you wanted, I did want to talk about, you know, um, and, and maybe you don't want to talk about this, Mike, and, and that's totally fine if you don't. Um, but like the, the whole guide outfit, um, like I understand it's a business, but so I'll give you an example up here in Ontario. Um, tomorrow morning I can wake up and say, I'm, I'm a guide and, I can make a, well, actually uh, you may not know this, but this is how Punisher Waterfowl started. I literally made a logo and made a Facebook page and pretended to be somebody in the waterfowl industry. So people would invite me out to go hunt with them because uh, I was always getting posted around being in the military and I never had access to public land when I would get to my new area every three, four years after I was moving. So I, I lied and I made a, page and, and the whole bit and then people started asking me what is it I actually do and that's when the jig was up and I actually had to come up with a business idea and 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 do something but um but like when it comes to the guides like this is what I think is is one of the issues in Canada when it comes to guides in Canada because we don't have a ton because we don't have the flight especially here in Ontario that say uh, the Prairie Provinces, the pothole region, the Midwest of the United States. Um, but when we do get a legitimate outfitting service here, and then they say, well, it's going to cost you for, for three days, it's going to cost you 1500 bucks. They look at Damien now who started up rinky dink uh, guide a uh, guiding service. And I'm only charging a hundred bucks a day for shooter per shooter they compare me to, or they compare the legitimate outfitting service to me then and say, well, why is you, why are you so expensive when Damien is so cheap? This is a really long-winded question. Um, so I, I think people forget if, if you're running an outfitting business, how much expenses and responsibility falls on the owner of the outfit does that make like does that make sense what i'm getting at yeah yep i mean kansas is the same way you know it's like okay anybody can come to kansas and you know start an outfitting business or a guide service okay but there's there's talk of change of that which would okay be but i think that i think that would be the best thing because it's going to get rid of those fly-by-night people right you know and and it's going to make a better name for the people that are, like us that are doing it right, you know, that are paying for insurance and actually have like a tax entity and EIN and, and we're paying, we're, we're doing it the right way. You know, that's we're, right. We're, we're not just, you know, saying, Hey, 200 bucks, come hunt with us for the day and mm -hmm. meals and lodging and you're sleeping on the guy's couch. Right. You know, you know our, our rates are higher because you're getting the full experience and that's right. Expenses, you know, yeah. and, and our guides, you know, we're, we got, you know, the guides have day rates and, you know, they're also after, you know, the tips, you know, so they're working for yeah, good, very good point, good tips, you know, so yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things is, you know, if, if you're wanting the, the right experience, the, the right, you know, outfit, don't be afraid to pay for what you're going to get. I mean, it's, it's just with anything, you know, yeah. if you want, 
good quality, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. It's like buying a steak. You know, you're gonna buy a New York strip, or you're gonna buy the fillet or a ribeye. Right. You know, you're gonna pay more for that. Yeah. So, so, so you brought up a really good point. So when you talk about the tips and, and like you being the owner of the, of the outfit, like you don't see the tips, right? So like the tips go to the, go to the cooks, they go to the guides, right? Um, so, and because this doesn't affect your pocketbook, um, I, I feel comfortable in asking you, like, what, what would you, if you were to advise somebody that's going on a hunt, that's paying a guide, like, what would you say? is a reasonable um amount to pay to give a guide a tip yeah and and that that amount varies with you know whatever hunt it is you know if it's a big game hunt waterfowl hunt or whatever you know the suggested amount is you know minimum 15 to 20 percent you know and that and that takes care of the guides and the cook you know Mm -hmm. put it up so like say i have a group of 10 in you know, there's going to be two guides plus me and myself and, and my, my wife, you know, right. cooking or somebody else in there cooking if she needs help. Yeah. You know, so the, those, those three people or four people are, are splitting that whole group's tips between all of them. Yeah. So, and, you know, they, they have, they have to make money. They're working just as hard as, as 100%, ever, as, if not more. So yeah. it's, it's just part of it. So. Yeah. And, and, and I think this is where it comes into um, when, when you can sit back after, after a, a guided hunt and you can sit back and go, he definitely did whatever he could do to get the birds into us. Um, it wasn't from a lack of effort. Um, that's when you say, listen, like he, he definitely were he or she, whatever um, definitely worked. Um, so you know, 20%. But if you, if you break it down and I never thought about it, like how I I'm, I'm not opposed to giving tips and I've always tipped, but I've never thought about the fact that that tip is broken down even further. So let's say it's 20%. Yeah. Well then, okay. So there's, there's two guides, a cook, and then whoever else that yeah. that's 5% for each one of them really right like if you break it down like that so when you're thinking 20 percent to the no no it's not just the guy that's getting that 20 percent. that gets yeah. split even more so yeah. i never ever thought about that so that's that's a really good point i never ever never ever thought that way and don't forget so i don't guide but i hunt about every day right yeah so micah and his guides they hunt about every day mm-hmm. the equipment that you go through mm-hmm. is ridiculous. It doesn't matter how good it's made. That's right. You're going to go through waders. You're going to rip coats. Uh, your dog has to be good. The dog's expensive. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through a shotgun. I mean, it's just your okay. vehicle, your vehicle, your trailer, your decoys. Trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's all an expense, man. I mean, it, it's wear and tear. You know, so. this is so i went out to saskatchewan uh ryan and i ryan's part of the show as well him and i went out out to saskatchewan uh probably in i think it was around 2016 or so we went out there and i tell you this is the one thing that blew me away because this was really my first real guided uh hunt and uh the scout vehicles because they were because they're so hard on their vehicles, just doing the scouting and everything all was uh Honda CRVs. That was the scout vehicle. They could fix them for nothing. They last forever. They can beat the shit out of them, 
but yet their truck with their trailer that only went out on the day of the hunt scout crv and just well, and it was an all-wheel drive vehicle they could do that just yeah easy on gas hardly any maintenance when you when you live on gravel and you're in a field a yep. lot you will wear trucks out yeah oh yeah Dude, so I remember we, I jumped in a truck and I was like, Jesus, how many spare tires do you need? And they were like, two, two. We yeah. never leave lodge without two spare tires. Oh no. Yeah. And I was, I was like, yeah. what? I was, and yeah. I was just, those are the little things that nobody thinks about. Right. Oh yeah. I can tell you a story about last year, man. I mean, brand new. I had Mickey Thompson's on there. Brand new. Yeah. I got a big truck, you know, they're yeah. 37s, you know. Yeah. Well, like, you're a big dude too. <laughs> so, and we're, we're rolling out i go into this field man this this uh this hedge stick you know it's a uh, it, about as big as my thumb goes right through this tire brand new tire <laughs> and i was pissed you know yeah. I, was, I was in the middle of chasing birds and trying to figure out where they're going and it it turned it into a, a whole midnight project you know i threw another tire on there one balanced couldn't get it balanced because I had a group rolling in. So I'm three days in and this truck's just rattling my teeth. <laughs> but I mean, but there's there's times last year, you say, you know, you're rolling around in a all-wheel drive car. Yeah. There's times last year where I was driving through three foot snow drifts in my truck with a 20 foot trailer behind me, barely making it down the road. <laughs> you know? I can't do that around here with a, with a little car. Yeah, that's know? right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the thing up there. Um, once the cold weather, soon as that first snowfall, that first cold weather hits like Saskatchewan and that no birds, they're, they're long gone. They're, they're headed south then. Right. So they don't really have the need for, and they don't get the snow either. They just get cold, but, uh, but yeah, like, and that, those are the little things that, that nobody really, thinks about until they're until they're in the situation when you're like why do you have two spare tires yeah. or why am i sitting why am i sitting next to the second spare tire in the back seat of a crv well because i've got no other room for another spare tire in the trunk so it you're cuddling with that on the drive for the scout to, to oh, see yeah. no these, these boys will go through a lot of stuff in the season so you know, like the wear and tear and, and that's Bobby, we talked about it. Um, just the cost, like what we're anticipating the cost of equipment this year is going to be like Micah. I, and, and I, by no means am I trying to get into your personal finances, but like with, with the increase of, of equipment, the cost of buying equipment and stuff like that right now, like buddy it got to be getting harder and harder to make it, a go out of this it is it's but it's it's part of business you know i mean you're gonna right. have you're gonna have your downs that you got to do it you know yeah but fortunately we have you know relationships with with brands and we also right. have, have um, a, a lot of gear that you know we bought before that's still good right you know that's um you know yeah they get the wear and tear but it's just it's part of it, man. I mean, we got to do it. It's got to yeah. be done. We have customers coming either way. Yeah. So that's a know. good attitude to have. It, it really is. It, it, I think it's the only attitude you can have if you want to succeed. 
Um, yeah. it, you know, you just got to roll with it. And cause if you think you're going to make a pile of money without spending any money, well then yeah, you're you gotta, probably going to be disappointed. You got to spend money to make money. Yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, it would be, wouldn't be cool if I didn't bring up this redneck ingenuity that Bobby had on the go before yeah. we hit the record button. Cause buddy, <laughs> I have never heard of it. And I want you to make a video of your son ripping around on this. So for those that are you, that's wondering, and sorry, Micah, buddy, we're still going to talk about the outfit, but I just want to talk about this now. If you're wondering what we're talking about, I always come down here, set everything up early, just in case something goes wrong. So I set everything up and I see the notification. Bobby's Bobby's ready to join the meeting. So I admit him. And all I see is his back because he's over to the coffee machine. And uh, and I said, hey, what's up? And he was like, oh, I didn't realize you were here. He was like, give me a second. I just made a coffee. I got to go put a battery in a in a power wheels. And I'm like, oh, OK, whatever. Cool. So then he comes back. It's not your ordinary battery, ladies and gentlemen. No, no. No, not in Kansas. Running, he's running 18 volt rigids right now. Five acres. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike is telling me about about seeing them ripping around on this in this friggin what was what was it you said the uh it's a little power wheel jeep yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled up to his house one day and we were we we're gonna blow some calls and hang out and he's out there just I mean you know drifting in the driveway <laughs> Split into the cars, you know, just, I mean, you just you don't know how to handle that much power. You know, it, <laughs> it is the noisiest thing in the world because inside of them plastic tires, the gravel is, it's yeah. so it's like he's driving maracas around. Oh yeah. I'm on the phone too. Oh, I'm like trying to have a conversation. I'm like, huh, what are you saying? <laughs> so the impressive thing is that you're figuring and you don't have this down exact, but you're figuring he's, he's getting close to like 11, 12 miles an hour. Oh, so least. my zero turn goes 12 ish. It gets up there. It's fast. It's a Ferris <laughs> commercial lower. It's fast, right? Pops yeah. the and he damn near keeps up with it. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm mowing, he'll, he'll go through about three batteries while I mow the yard. That's insane. And I like, and then, and then Micah goes, well, you got to upgrade them now to, to gas. Well, and <laughs> the, the farmer was at the, I got a farmer neighbor that I hang out with a lot. And he was over here watching this uh, surface of batteries. <laughs> he's, he's got a little four wheeler stuck in the shed. Nobody's drove for a while. So I got to go get that and see if I can get that running. That way I can have my drill batteries back. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen, I want to see this, man. I really want to see. Oh, dude, it's all over YouTube. Really? I'm, yeah. Now I'm a hillbilly, so I don't have the fancy little battery connector. Right. I just take those little, like the little male end of the yep. fade connector and I just bend it over. Okay. Yeah. Ring out of it and slide it into the. Yeah. To the female end. Battery. Yeah. 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 I, I get what you you're... know. They make a, like a rigid or DeWalt connector you can put on and with the pigtails. Yeah, yeah. They they didn't have those when uh, when my kids were uh, rocking oh, that that Mustang. Yeah, or, buddy, he goes yeah. through he goes through two or three power wheels a year. Whoa! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm down to where I just buy them used off Facebook. Marketplace. <laughs> 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 we run the wheels off of them and they go into the burn pile. Yeah, 
insane. But now Mike, my, my, and then Micah goes, yeah, well, my young fella, who, who's a big kid anyways, but now he's yeah. rocking what? Is he on like a 200cc quad uh, now? Uh, it, it's, I think, like a 125 or something like that. Still. And he's out there just, I mean, the thing, the thing will go like 25 with me on it. You know, I'm 6'4", adult, and, you know, he's 80 pounds. You know, <laughs> he's out there just. Uh, that's and, that's <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, aren't you worried he's going to like hurt himself? Yeah, he probably will, but he'll only do it once. Yep, exactly. He, yeah. That's, that's done and over with. He's yeah. smart about it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's bounced pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. A, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you need to, you need to have some bumps and, and bruises in order to know what you can get away with. Right. We're, we're too damn safe anymore. Oh, yeah. but I'm, I'm guilty. Not now. Now I've, I look back on it and I realize just how coddling my wife and I were like, we were, we were, we were pretty silly over our kids um, when they were small. And now I look back at it and I'm like, man, like I wasn't treated like that when I grew up. So I don't know where it came from uh, at all. You go, to, you go to a baseball or softball game now and kids got ear protection, eye protection, face shields. Good Lord. Oh, no, no, I'm not I that bad. They can see the play. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't like that, but I was pretty, I was pretty coddling, like, but uh, I don't know why I was because I wasn't, we used to go camping all the time. My son ended up hanging out with meeting this kid who was a couple years older than him. And the kid had a pocket knife, right? So he come to me. So I would say my son was probably, I'll say he was seven years old at the time. And he was like, dad, uh, I want a pocket knife. And I was like, yeah, you should have a pocket knife. So I went and I bought him the same pocket knife that every one of us all had our first one, that little buck knife, just a single blade. You just tear it out, right? And I said to him, I said, listen, buddy, this doesn't come to school with you. You don't take it out when you're out hanging out with your friends, riding bikes down at the camper when you're in the woods and, and you're playing in the woods, that's when you play with it, right? Yeah, no problem, dad. So we're driving to our campsite and he said, dad, can I have, can I have the knife? And I'm like, yeah, we're about a half hour away. I was like, sure, you can have your knife. My wife goes, he's going to cut himself. I'm like, 100% he's going to cut himself. Guaranteed <laughs> he's going to cut himself, but he's only going to cut himself once. Never had the words out of my mouth. Dad, you got any band-aids? I'm like, there you go. First cut, done. I never ever there, had to worry about it after that. There's a scar on that finger right there. I still got from my first pocket knife. Yeah. Yeah. It happens uh, to all of us. I was four or five. Yeah. That's also <laughs> the last time I cried over getting hurt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was when my dad explained you can't have the knife back if you cry. You're old enough to have it when you don't cry because you got hurt. There you <laughs> go. That. That, yep. that was enough of that. You know, that. speaking of kids, so we were at, um last week we did rogers waterfowl weekend and okay yeah bobby yeah and uh this kid came up Bobby, what was he maybe eight or ten years old yeah and he come up and he picked up one of these calls and started blowing it and i was like taken back at first i was like oh man this this kid knows what can he's run doing. yeah bobby gets hold of calls he's like hey follow me and these these two were in sync just ripping it I really mean, ripping it you know it was it was so cool wasn't it bobby i mean just... oh dude i tell you what kids have a knack for copying call sounds yeah 
They don't have any preconceived thing but in their head. They don't overthink it is what it is. No. So, dude, like, the best way to learn to blow a call is if you can get with somebody that knows how to do it and you just repeat, right? Okay. You, you know, when you're trying to figure that out, you got to have the sound in your head, mm -hmm. right? And if you're like me, like, the sound on – I'll just lose the sound. Mm -hmm. right? If it's a new thing I've never heard, like, I just can't remember it, right? Okay. So if you're with somebody and they make the sound, you can start trying to repeat the sound. But dude, I'm telling you, kids, women do this as well. Yeah. Uh, they just have a knack for repeating. If they just have some basics, it's crazy how fast you can teach a kid to blow a call. Like crazy. Yeah, I could I can see that. Yeah, like like that kid he's talking about, like an hour, and that kid would be a way above average on a oh. call. Just I mean, for repeating. Yeah. He was already yeah. think, above average. I mean, that kid. Yeah. Really? He, oh, dude. I mean, it yeah. was it was really like mind blowing for me. I was like, like dude, a guy, if he's blown on a call for a while and he's trying to get better, it takes a lot to mm -hmm. change what he does. But like we had another guy, he bought a call and then I think he bought it for his wife because he brought her over to the booth for a lesson. And dude, she quacked in less than a minute. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, it's because they don't overthink it. I'm yeah, sure that's because that's like in the military, like we used to have this like women, women are naturally better shots than men. So shoot in a prone position, shooting at a target, no stress, um, just sitting behind a, you know, we call them C7s, but it's an M16, um, right. same, same gun platform, but sitting behind that gun in a prone position, shooting paper. Nine times out of ten, a woman will shoot better than a man. That like first time, first time shooters. I I, I got to add that in there, right? So so, dude, I've done, I've shot a pile in my life. I did competition trap. I used to I used yeah. to shoot races Annie Oakley for money, like five nights a week, right? Wow. And uh, so, but I have never been around a lot of girls that shoot or hunt, right? So right. My my eleven year old girl. She hit about 105 last year, so she could handle a 20 gauge, like no problem, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, that girl went through maybe a box and a half of shells, and she's now this is straight behind the thrower, right? So the yeah, yeah, shot. Oh, of course, you know, you're still. only standing five yards away from the thrower, maybe three, right? Mm -hmm. but, dude, she she was 21, 22 out of a box in an hour. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like it was nothing. They just, yeah. they don't overthink it. Yeah. And uh, if my wife is listening, um, you overthink everything else that I do, yeah. except <laughs> shooting, except <laughs> shooting. Like the, the only special thing I did with that is I live in a walnut grove. Okay. So I put it to where she had to shoot it. She couldn't sit there and wait on it to fall. Okay. Into the tree, right? Right. But you can see the leaves, whether you're in front of it or behind it. Okay. But, yeah. 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 So I get you. A little visual. And as soon as she figured out a lead, done. Yeah. Like she That's shot her own damn limit of doves that same year. Like it's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Now, yeah. Please, if, when I do come down and hunt, let's not bring your daughter because yeah, I do yeah, not I mean, need like to be made fun of. I didn't take a gun. I just sat down there with her and. Oh yeah, dude. She had no problem. Like I figured we were gonna go a box or two. Mm -hmm. Oh hell no, she mowed them down. Wow. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But no, dude, kids. 
will just pick up calling so fast. And Micah, you, you had mentioned something about kids earlier, and I, I don't want to turn it, open this up so that every kid in Kansas is now reaching out to you and looking to go on a hunt. But, um, you know, you did mention, like, you've got a lot of time for the youth to come out and, and experience the outdoors and get into hunting. Like you do a, you know, you're trying to promote it as much as you, as you can. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, anytime a, a kid wants to go hunting, I'm never going to say you can't, you know, right. I mean, we, we have a lot of property leased, you know, and I, I don't want to make it to where the kids can't enjoy hunting anymore. That's so amazing. If the kid wants to learn about hunting, like, okay, hey, if you want to, we have an extra bed at the lodge that's open right now. Come help the guides. Let's, you know, you'll get the full experience of what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. You know? and, and, and they enjoy that. You know, it's, it's something that I enjoy too, because, you know, in the outdoors, it's not just about, you know, the, the guys that can afford it, you know, it, it needs to sure. be for the kids so they can do that you know you want to be a mentor you want to you want to help people you know yes i i really wish dave i really wish dave was on the episode right now because that's that's dave's bit and and not that i'm anti-kids but that's dave's biggest goal at the beginning of every season is and he sort of kind of sets these crazy goals of how many kids he's going to get out on their first hunt this yeah. year right and and that's i yeah so you and you and dave would would have some pretty good conversations because he's very much um on that same line of thought as you are right so it's pretty amazing when you think about it um and and it's sad at the same time that we're that the hunting world is is lean i think down in your neck of the woods it's a little bit more just because you guys have more hunting pressure down there right as opposed yeah. to up here we don't have uh the numbers that you guys have right so um for you to be able to ensure that you're trying to keep bringing kids out and, and introducing more and more youth to hunting um it only bolds well for the industry, right? Like, yeah, listen, it's great to have a millionaire that's, that's coming that you can bank on every year to come to your lodge. That that's awesome. And and don't get me wrong, but when you can introduce a kid to hunting and, and that's going to be their passion for life, yep. buddy, that's pretty special. Yeah, it is. Man, you know? It doesn't matter if you make duck calls, you guide hunts, you make duck decoys. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm -hmm. If you do not, if you do not help guys hunt better, mm -hmm. you're you're losing clients. Yeah, yep, yeah, I agree. I mean, so, and I mean that's like those Micah helping kids hunt a calling class. Mm -hmm. These guys they have to have some level of a success to keep buying a license. Like nobody goes out to the marsh 12 times, never shoots anything and then buys a license for the next year. Mm -hmm. So dude, just a little encouragement. That's right. Just one more duck that season. Uh, you know, like if a kid goes with one of Micah's guides and he figures out how to call a bird better, dude, just that little bit is enough to keep somebody hunting. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Bobby, I can remember when when you, myself, and Eric Massey uh, had done a couple uh, shows back last year when the season was on the go. 
and I can remember you bringing that up exactly like success, like what, what I determine, what I feel as success to what another person deems success could be totally different. Right. So if one year, a new hunter gets two ducks and then the next year he hits four ducks. That may be four times better than he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's winning. Like you're winning, yeah. you're, you're figuring it out. You're, you're learning. Um, yeah. You're a better shot. You're, you're hiding better. You're calling better. Your spread looks better. There, there's so many things. Um, and I forget your, your buddy. Um, remember, I forget his name now. I'm, I'm sorry. Your friend there that, that, that was from Texas to dairy Dave. for Dave. Yeah. Like he yeah. had come on and, and that's how he had started. Right. And he had said like yeah. every time it was just, I was just getting, better and better and better and better where now it became all right now now it's like i i'm here i'm i'm here where i want to be and it's and it's awesome but it was always a continual increase in in success right well yeah and like i say if you're in the position to help somebody get better at this it's especially if you if you make a living off of any part of it it's in your best interest to help people yep Absolutely. Yeah, it can't be all take. And and that's what I no. that's what Dave and I, you know, there's times when we 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 contemplate doing things and 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 sometimes it I don't want to say say that it's sometimes it's a hard decision to make, but sometimes you you look at it and you go, listen, man, it can't always be take. There got to be, and that's that's a conversation that him and I'll have where we're like, listen, it, can't always be taken we can't always be taken from people we got to give stuff back to right what i don't know if we want to get on this rabbit hole but see that's like one of my main issues with youtube and social oh here we go yeah i know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a youtuber it seems like it's constant take yeah like the youtube comes before the the waterfowl tradition like how so uh, like like it households so if you're can if you're, you're concerned only you're about apt, yeah, yeah you're more it. apt to get the views than you are to right. put your best foot forward on the yeah on the respect yeah, yeah i get i got you yeah i yeah. agree with you on that so it's it's it it all falls into that category yeah yeah i don't know micah what do you think buddy <laughs> me and bob uh, me and bobby talk about social all the time so uh social and youtube so we, we talk about it a, a, a ton so this is all this is all old hat for me when it comes to this <laughs> i mean yes i i mean i agree you know social is a, a big part of you know what we're yeah. doing you know, yeah so like how much do you rely on how much do you rely on social media and and the videos that side of your advertising how much do you rely on it i need to rely on it more i can tell you that and that's okay what i'm planning on doing right uh, so but just just for what we got going on but you know um i have some really good relationships and right. I, I rely i think more on my uh myself uh your reputation my, my reputation yeah. and my ability to uh, never meet a stranger, you know, and uh, communicate and build relationships. Well, so. you know, um, it's not like you're reinventing a wheel when you say that, right? Like how many businesses and guide outfits operated solely on that 
for years and years and years and years before social, right? And that this say, is, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say like now, and I, I guess it would be like, you know, even the past, you know, a few years, it's more about, you know, what they capture on video, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that's what's drawing people's attention, you know, and, and I've probably haven't been uh, doing enough of that, mm -hmm. you know, I'd say, but it's not something that I'm very worried about just because right. of what yeah. I already have. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you, it, uh, so anymore with like I use Shopify and the amount that Shopify tracks for sales comes from is pretty good. Yeah. So about 10% of my gross comes from social media. So really? It's, it's not nothing, but it's not a whole lot, right? It's one of those things like if it went away, it wouldn't be devastating, but right. But it is good to have. Right, right, right. Yeah. Whereas so, we're on the opposite spectrum of what I'm what Dave and I are doing, we rely 100 percent on social, on YouTube, right? right? Um, I, and if, if my brand had to rely solely on social, I would be very worried because I never, I always in the back of my mind think they may not let us participate on there at some point. Well, so, um, so just, just limit how we participate. Yeah. So yeah. You, when you say that you'd be worried, I'm just going to tell you, like, this is where I live. Like, this is my house. Right. I, I'm joking. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, we make zero money. With, right. You know what I mean? Like what we are, we're trying to promote, um, we're trying to promote relationships, promote businesses uh, and, and, and do that sort of thing without going under that process. Actually, we don't need to go into what I'm all about, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like we, we rely, we rely on the social media on, on the internet more so than what you guys would. Well, no, um, the internet would be different than social. Like a lot uh, of my business right. comes off Google and the website, but just right, like right, right. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, but if then it went away tomorrow, like it wouldn't devastate my business. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it would devastate my business. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, dude. Spotify is becoming a big thing. It is. It is. So it may not. Like you may everybody just may shift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so. quite possible. But then you look at Micah and and he's created uh, a reputation that like he he's self self admitting i i need to spend more time on it but you know would it, would it devastate you if social was down tomorrow Micah? probably not no yeah no it, it, it wouldn't if you're if you're providing a a quality service and people are walking away because everybody knows if you've got a buddy that'll promote something you will listen to your buddy before you will the five stars on facebook now now don't get me wrong like i love social because i love yeah, yeah. To to talk to everybody on social like it's mm -hmm. super convenient for that right mm -hmm. uh, but if you look at my feed there's not a lot of sales pitch that happens on my feed i use it more for educational yep yeah yeah which have been awesome so I, I'm going to stop us here because we're over 60 minutes, but I did want to give you a chance, Bobby. I did want you to talk about those videos that you've been doing. No, okay. and, and I'm serious, buddy, because they are quality videos with a ton, a ton of educational stuff that people 
should really be listening to. So if you're not, and here's my part where I promote Ducklander calls, go on his social media and on his YouTube channel and on his website and sign up to be in the Duck Tribe uh, because the amount of stuff that Bobby's pushing out that will make you a better hunter, I, I, I challenge you to find a better source first off because I don't think you will find somebody that's putting better information out there. Um, so please go do that on my behalf. Make sure you say that Punisher sent you so that he knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Bobby, go for it, buddy, because you've always been like, even way back the first time when we met, like, so four or five years ago, when you were doing your calling lessons online, like even way back, right when you started, you've always said, if you can make a person a better caller or a better hunter, you think you're succeeding. And you've always done that. Well, I'm super grateful that I make a living off of waterfowl. Yeah. So, I mean, which I do, I make a living off of ducks and geese. I sell duck calls, but I yeah. make it off of birds. Without the birds, nobody wants these calls. Yeah. So you got to give something back. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I have a knack for teaching people how to blow a call. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I used to do a lot of YouTube. We're doing more YouTube now. Uh, then for a while I had a page on Facebook where you could post a video and I'd get back on there and reply with a video, but this dang social changes so much. All the time. It changes so fast. <laughs> Uh, you'll have something going and it'll change the platform and then you got to switch it up. So like this year, I'm just, we're back to doing video again. So I'm putting video instructional on how to blow calls. Uh, I did one on a 20 gauge one on mm -hmm. the other day. Uh, if I get time tomorrow, uh, I'm going to throw one up on how I pattern a shotgun. And yeah, good one. I don't tell anybody like, this is how to do it. I just, this is how I do this stuff. Uh, if it helps you, you get something out of it. Great. So, awesome. so we're going to, I'm going to grow these over this year. We'll gather a bunch of content during the season and I'm going to start bringing some more people in on these. Like Michael will be in on them. Awesome. Uh, you guys are going to start to hear, I hunt with a guy named Shannon, uh, super good dude. You're going to start to hear from him. You're going to Dave from Texas. Yeah. Um, and then probably a guy named Brendan, uh, super particular guy. Uh, really good killer of ducks. We're just going to start to bring them in those conversations. Yeah, good. Not, not long form, like hour long podcasts, just yeah. simple things like this is the pond, this is the wind, the scout. How are you going to set it up? Yeah. Because we're all going to set it up a little different, even though we hunt together. Yeah, absolutely. When there's, when there's four of us out there, we all got an idea, but we hunt together a lot. So everybody's compromising for everybody. Mm -hmm. It makes the group good. But I want to know, like, how would you do it? How would you do it? Yeah. So that's awesome. So I'm going yeah. to try to build the biggest, the biggest platform of educational videos that are around. You heard it here first. That's my goal. You heard it here first on the Union 0430. Bobby Hayes is going to start a monopoly on duck hunting education. That's the goal. That's so, the goal. Hey, buddy, I, I think you're off to a well, hard, good there's start. There's a ton of people watching them. I'd love it if people give me feedback on them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if I post a video on something and you like it, dislike it, whatever, throw a comment up. Let me know what you think of it. Yeah. So, 
or if you cool. want something else I haven't done, throw it up. Because I really, I may, what I may think is not important, it may be super important to somebody to know. I really like the one you done the other day on on the making, so you alone can make the sound of three different hens. Yes, I I like that because not I'm not a great caller by no means, and I don't put a, a whole lot of thought behind it. I just get behind a call and I blow into a call and it seems well, to work. Thing. Some of this is easy. Like if you've got one good hen, you can just change that with cadence to make. Yeah. It's not necessarily a different hen. Yeah. It's the same tone. Yeah. But, but it's a different sound. Like a real, like technically a different hen would be a different pitch. Right. But if you can only manage one good hen, you can change it up with cadence. And that's something anybody can do. Yeah. Yeah, but then you done the one on the duck whistle, and I'm telling you now, my normal crew of fellas that I hunt with, like I hunt with some fellas that are really good callers, so I'll never break out a hand call. Right. But my duck whistle, that Drake whistle, buddy, when I go out with people that I've only hunted with for the first time, and they're wailing on a call, and I break that thing out, you should see the eyeballs on people. They're like what are you doing and i'm like have you heard like have you not heard like you guys there's four of you is wailing on a hand call and there's no dudes well like for us like we were talking about those bachelor drakes in january yeah, yeah. when you're scouting like if you walk up on the river you're not gonna hear hands mm -hmm. you're gonna hear drakes i mean you might hear a few but it's gonna be even when the ducks are coming in there's yep. just so many drakes. You're gonna. That's what you're gonna predominantly hear. Well, yeah. You know the thing about that whistle is you kind of got to get some guys over the macho aspect. Yeah. Running the read. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a good tool. Oh, buddy, I love it. And I tell you what, I would say if if I've got ducks working in front of me, if I pull that out, because obviously I'm not calling on all every fucking duck that comes in front of me right but if i pull i bet you i'm at a 75 to 80 percent success rate when i pull that when i pull that drake whistle out it's and, I and i and i'm confident to say that if they want noise yeah they don't want that hen that day yeah you can make noise with that all the way until the gun goes off without yeah. scaring it out all right we could go on for another hour on this micah buddy um any last words because me and bobby just hijacked the last 15 minutes of of your uh episode <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. i appreciate you having me on you know and we'll just uh keep it going you know? yeah buddy i i'd love to have you back on um towards the the end of the season like when things slow down for you and you yeah. have some time to be able to sit down and talk about talk about your season i'd love to have you back on and uh, and talk about it and and give some stories and and you stuff to, like you that. Need a podcast when Severance is in camp. <laughs> okay. So oh he, yeah. He yeah, dude. He sings and plays the guitar and he breaks oh, there you go. and he'll play Waylon Jennings for me all night. Oh yeah, he's yeah. he's a character. The band oh, yeah. when he's there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And that's the stuff I think. I think that's the stuff that more people that are if you are at all hesitant with, with regards to, to paying that money, because let's, let's face it, everyone's working hard for every cent that they make these days. And, and sometimes it takes a little justification in your brain to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to spend this, this money on, on a hunt. 
Um, and sometimes they just need to, to see that, listen, it, it's more it's more than just about the birds. There's a lot more that happens at the lodge on the trip to the birds, on the scout, on the cleaning, the meal back at the lodge. There's a ton of stuff that's happening that that's just friggin' hilarious, really. That's the way oh. I always look at it, because the best laughs I have is is sometimes just sitting around a pile of dudes cleaning birds. <laughs> Yeah. Mike, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, give me a shout out at uh, 913-238-0217 or, you know, visit our website at bigkansaswhitetails.com. And I will on this, when this drops on Monday, Micah, I will tag you guys in it. Um, I'll send it to your social. I'll shoot you a message with the links and everything, and you can post it all up. Um, use it however you want. Um, it's yours, buddy. Uh, you do whatever with it that you want to do. And buddy, I hope it would make, it would warm the cockles of my heart. If your phone starts ringing off the hook after this, <laughs> after this episode drops, if you call me, if you message me and go, Damien, I'm sold out. Um, all because of your show, buddy, you have no idea how much that make, how good that'll make me feel. So, uh, so please. Hey, I know I know we're over our hour, but I haven't made a post about this yet. Okay. Rogers was insane this year. So oh so this is calls came up and talked to us, dude. It was there, I would assume there was over fifteen thousand people there this year. So that was something that I asked you the other day, uh, when you and Micah were on. I thought Rogers was a chain. So here's my Canadian oh. ignorance coming out. But it's it's a one one shot in Kansas City. One shot, Liberty, Missouri. Yeah. Oh, Liberty. Okay, I've been I thought it was in that store since I was six years old. Really? Yeah. There used to be two of them, and I believe. Hopefully, I don't get this wrong. I think the guy that owns it now, his brother, used to also have one. And okay. dude, they just sold lures because it used to be Rogers Lures. But really? Also, yeah, I've been going in that place buying lures since I was eighty, like my boy's size. Oh yeah. Yeah, his dad, like the store, the store they're at now, they moved to, they were down the road, but his dad made the best flipping jigs. They really? sat by the register, he hand tied them. They were like the first flipping jig you could, this is when I was, this is in the 90s, that you could get with like an actual high quality hook on them. Yeah, they were, I think a quarter, they sat in a box. Yeah. 25 cents. Yeah. Wow. Because they were big tournament fishing guys. But yeah, but oh no, that store now is so big. And, no. and, that's, and that's impressive because you had said to me about, about the numbers of people, like you're expecting, like you're estimating 15 to 20,000 people came through here. I would here. say, Micah, you got good knowledge on that. You've done a lot of shows. Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, 20, 25,000 people. It's a lot, it was a lot of people. So which is, which is impressive because for the last we got to, we got to sum this up, but um, for the last few years, the thought has been that these outdoor shows were dying, that people didn't yeah, that want one, to. That one grows every year. That's insane. I love it. I love yeah. to hear it. It's, yeah. I mean, dude, like my booth, Mike, did we talk to people solid from what, eight to four? Oh yeah. Before eight. Yeah. There, I mean, there's people waiting an hour to, you know, outside the store and they were just, you know, really talking our ears off. 
Yeah, there's so many people that come to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, fellas, Bobby, thanks for this, buddy. Micah, thank you so much for coming on, man, and 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 doing this with us. It's uh, it's good because you just rolled with it just like before we hit record. I said, "Is there anything you want to talk about?" And you were like. Let's just let her roll. And and that's that's the way we do things around here. So uh you fit in great with us, buddy. Um, thanks so much. I wish you nothing but the most uh success this upcoming season. Be safe, have fun. Um, and I really do want to have you come back on at the end of the season um and talk about how things uh, how things went. Um, you've got an open invite. You can come on anytime you want. All you got to do is fire me a message and say, hey, I, I got something I want to talk about and and we'll make sure we get you on, dude. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Was- yeah, absolutely, buddy. Anytime. Right. Bobby, thanks so much for this. Listen, um, if you're still listening to this and we haven't bored you oh, and, and you're, and you're gone, um, listen, we are doing a Ducks Unlimited fundraiser on the 19th so 20th usually locks up once a show oh, oh. did i lock up nope okay am i am i good yeah i'm you're good i'm good okay bobby, oh it's good. bobby not yeah. me ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bobby good thanks micah because he <laughs> he he fucking rips me on my internet all the time so oh if, i told him if i ever run into elon musk i'm attacking right in the nuts <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um so i'm doing uh dave and i will be at dave and i will be at a ducks unlimited fundraiser on the 19th 20th 21st of august and we will be carrying a good solid lineup of Ducklander calls there so if you are looking for, in my opinion, the best duck call on the market. Um, we'll have them at this show. It'll, they'll be at our booth. We're doing a we're doing a booth throughout the day, and then in the evening we're having the fundraising dinner. So um, you want a duck lander call? Come on by our booth, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll hook you up. Everybody, this was episode one hundred and eight of the Union Zero Four Thirty. Micah Collins from Big Kansas Whitetails. Bobby Hayes from Ducklander Calls. Thanks, boys. It's awesome. Big love. Be safe, everybody. Don't be douchebags to one another. Until, <laughs> until next time. Ciao. Uh, see ya.